It's always important to remember and to be aware that the world not only speaks to us, but through us. And ideas, meaning, and magic, it all surrounds us, but the action necessary to bring them all to life, it's within us. This is The Entrepreneur Now. Funkity Jazz. How's everybody doing? This is another episode of the Archipreneur Now podcast. I am your host, Heath Armstrong, here as always to greet you, to fist pump with you, to make you realize that you are here because of magic, because you're supposed to be here, to do something much bigger than yourself. And I hope that in this reality and in this space, Maybe something in today's interview will help you take a step in that direction. This is episode 114. So for all the show notes, you can go to artsynow.com forward slash 114. I know I haven't had an episode out in a few weeks. It's been kind of crazy around here. I've been doing some shifts in my mindset, in my dwelling, and really life in general. And I've got some insanely exciting news coming up soon. But today... There's a few things that I want to mention. Uh, my friend Paul Kemp, who you all remember, kind of got me started in podcasting. He does the App Guy podcast. He, he actually does a few different podcasts, but he has been just beasting out products lately. He's really active on Product Hunt. And he sent me an email today because, as you all know, I like to write. I'm trying to focus down on doing the work more setting a specific amount of time per day to sit down and actually just write, write, write without distractions. And I've used so many different platforms, but there's always something that can creep in the way and distract you, whether it be one day out of the week or five days out of the week. It can happen, and it can pull you away from that that kind of work that you need to do. Well, it was kind of weird because I was thinking about it today, and then I got an email from Paul, and it was like, hey, we just launched this new product on Product Hunt. Uh, and it's called, I don't know how to pronounce this, it's spelled I-L-Y-S, and I'm not sure what term that is, but Ills or Illies, Illies, I don't know. But anyway, if you get on Product Hunt, you can upvote this if you're active on Product Hunt. It's awesome. It's like the most amazing way to find out all these new websites and apps and things that you can discover on the internet. This gigantic, awesome ball of insanely amazing superpowers that we get to use to our advantage to make ourselves smarter, bigger, better, stronger, faster, more productive, maybe not drinking too much. Um, and so check this out. This this platform is for writers, and I love writing, but it, it's for creating a writing habit. And one of the biggest problems is you get distracted with what you're already writing and you want to go back and rewrite a sentence or you want to move things around you want to fix a word that you misspelled with spell check, but that is such a gigantic gash in your side when you're trying to write because it's taking away 
It's taking your focus away from actually writing, actually doing the work. So this basically gives you a platform to start writing. You set a number of words that you want to write, and then your screen goes black, and as you type, it only shows you one giant letter at a time, and it doesn't let you do anything else. So you can't exit until you get done writing that amount of words, and it's incredible because you don't second-guess what you're writing. You just have to write. You just have to do it. So check that out. Go to Product Hunt and search for I-L-Y-S, Ily's or however it's pronounced, or just go to ILYS.com and you can pop that up. They give you a free trial. A free trial. It's like 4,000 words. Uh, you can try it out. And I think it's only like, it's like dirt cheap to get a year subscription. So um, I love it and I'm going to continue using it. I thought I'd share that with you all, especially somebody who likes to write. It's It's a... It's amazing. And also, okay, today I have on a guest, and he's an artist, and I haven't had an artist on in a while. And it's really exciting to me to get artists on because I do get a lot of connections from get or from listeners who who really relate to the artists more. So I'm gonna dive right into this interview because it is kind of long. I think we ran about an hour on it. But I hope that you all can enjoy it as much as as I did. And his name is Mike Brennan, and he is from New Jersey, but he has this amazing story about up and down being kind of focused on what he wanted to be as an artist when he grew up, even as a child, but then that terribly hard mountain to climb to actually get there, to go through school, to actually find what you want to do in life, the confusion, all the different opportunities, all the opportunities that don't appear when you think they should, and the ones that do when you have no idea what they even are. And kind of all these crazy twists that his life took. So listen to this interview. It's awesome. If you want the show notes again, go to artsynow.com forward slash 114. And stay tuned for next week because I've got Honoré Quarter back on. And we are going to dissect her newest book, Prosperity for Writers. And it is all about making money as a writer as a writer and creating an abundance. And that's something that so many people struggle with. And if you haven't heard Honoré's old episode, you can go to artsynow.com forward slash 58, I believe. And we talk about her one of her previous books, Vision to Reality. She is incredibly high energy and amazing and talented and smart. And everything about her is just something that everybody should study because you can become greater And I cannot wait to bring her back on. So stay tuned for that episode as well. And I'll get you right into this one. Come on, everybody. Let me hear that beat. Come on, come on, everybody. Let me hear that stickity stickity riggity diggity beat. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's right, Lokes. Well, here we go now. to get a little bit funky out there? Who wants to get a little creative out there, huh? Yeah. Which one of you wants to get a little bit artsy now? Well, I do. I do. get on with your bad selves. Yeah. Ladies and gents, boys and girls, all beings alike, I thank you for tuning in at this moment, in this moment, right here, right now, to get stickity stinkity riggity dinkity funky with another episode of the Entrepreneur Now podcast. It's been a while since I've been able to bring you a visual artist, 
and I'm super califragilisticexpialidociously pumped to connect you uh, with another champion of arts today. And out of Jersey, he's a multifaceted, super happening, creative mastermind who dabbles in dances and watercolors and mixed media and photography and graphic arts. Uh, so all you multi-potentialites out there that are getting into all sorts of different types of arts, this will be interesting. And he's made the flip from advertising and editorial design to, to nonprofit to combine his love for art, people, and faith into work that makes a difference in the world. So the kind of work that has meaning and, and it changes lives. And on this show, you know we love that kind of movement. So it is my honor and my absolute pleasure to introduce you to the very spiggity spectacular Mike Brennan, a skidamarinkity dinkity dink, a skidamarinkity doo Mike, you are the entrepreneur now. What's going on, man? Dude, thank you so much for uh, just having me on. I'm I'm so excited to uh, to talk to you, and yeah, that was an incredible intro. So thank you for that. <laughs> It actually gets a little bit ridiculous, but I I think it's uh <laughs> I don't know, dude. It's just fun. It's fun doing it. Yeah. But so so yeah, man. Like you were a graphic designer by trade. I guess you're still a dra- graphic designer by trade, right? Yes, that that is my day job. And you create in all sorts of different facets. Uh, you've got a, a pretty intense background of studying arts, and I'm curious to learn about you. Like when you were a child, do you remember like being one of those kids that was really like, I want to grow up and do art? Or were you like one of those kids that was kind of confused and that's just something that you were able to escape to? Because it's it's so different talking to a lot of different creative people the way that they envisioned it as a kid because a lot of them, like, they got to where they are and they have no idea how. And then others, they were like, bam, I want to paint, like, as soon as they were, like, six years yeah. old. So how yeah. was it for you? I I knew uh, immediately. I mean, I remember being a kid and quite honestly, before being an artist, I think I wanted to be a cartoon because I just <laughs> loved, loved Looney Tunes and Saturday morning cartoons, you know, anything like that. And um, seriously, I, I would just get so involved with it. And uh, it was like my world. And I remember probably being about maybe seven or eight years old uh, and I got my very first light box. And I don't remember who got it for me, but it was pretty cool because it was like a Disney product yeah. and it had one of these deals where they had the, um, you know, these tracing paper sheets with various limbs and positions and stuff. And you would put this on the box and trace away. And, um, I just remember tearing that thing up and I just knew this is something I, I got to do for the rest of my life. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think as a child, our minds are so triggered around creative things. And it's kind of a shame when we grow up and 95% of people, they get away from that creativity and they get into basically a boring existence. And I don't mean that in a mean way. I mean, people really do not follow what excites them because they're afraid to, right? Yeah. And I love being able to connect and bring people on here that have done it to show maybe some of those younger people out there that it is possible to make a living doing this. Mm. Um, and so when you when you were coming up, like I'm glad that you had that vision as a child. As you got older, when you started telling people that you wanted to do that, how did they react about it? Like were they fully supportive? I mean, how were your parents? Were they just like, yes, I think you should? Or did you have a lot of resentment from people thinking that it might be ridiculous to try that? Well, I, I think the people around me knew that I was doing it constantly. And so they could see that 
you know, this wasn't some flash in the pan thing, um, but this is part of how I was wired. And it's funny because, you know, I used to draw um, all sorts of greeting cards for family members, birthdays and holidays. And I also used to do a lot of things just for for people like, you know, other kids in school or teachers in school. Um, I remember doing, uh, you know, some Bloom County cartoons for a couple of teachers who were really into that when I was in grade school. And, um, you know, I remember them lighting up seeing it and it made me feel good. And I was like, you know what? Like, this is a cool thing that's happening right now. I'm able to use some gifts and talents that I have and make somebody smile. And, you know, this feels right. And so uh, as I progressed into high school, thankfully, I had a really great high school art teacher who exposed us to a lot of different um, techniques and mediums. And uh, he really encouraged us, you know, if this was something that we wanted to look into to doing, um, to pursue art school and so um, the, the funny thing is that actually um, my dad was a New York City detective. Oh, really? Yeah. And so, you know, he, he saw a lot of, you know, pretty awful things um, in, the, in the 70s and 80s, you know, in, in New York City. And so um, the funny thing is that one of the buildings that was behind the School of Visual Arts where I eventually went to, um, there was the police academy and he used to go and be with some fellow cops and look at, you know, some of the quote unquote weirdos and used to say, you know, Oh, my kids would never do anything like that. You know, look at them. I can't believe that. And here it was all these years later. And I'm like, yeah, dad, guess what? Um, I'm going to go to art school. And immediately I think he had these flashbacks to, to those weirdos, you know, it was like, Oh no, my son's not going to be one of those, <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, but I think after a, a while, you know, just, having my parents realize, you know, again, this was something that I was just wired to do. And, um, I can be pretty stubborn about things too. So I said, you know, I, I know that I I need to go to art school and if it's not art school, then I'm not going to school. And that was even a a bigger tragedy. Uh, so, you know, my family was like, you know what, we will support you. And, um, they, they have, and, um, you know, I'm very, very blessed and thankful for that. It sounded like you, that was, that was plan A and there was no plan B for you though. Yeah, pretty much. Cause like I said, I kind of knew that this was something I wanted to pursue and I couldn't think about doing anything else. You know, it was just, everything else felt flat. And, um, again, I, I have a stubborn streak, so that kind of kicked in and well, you know, thankfully for the better. Yeah. That's awesome that you were able to experience it that at such a young age. Cause I think a lot of people, they, they get disconnected really early and then they never get back to it until maybe later in life. But you can, I mean, even, even at older ages, I've met so many people that fifties, sixties that literally decided that they were just going to change their lifestyle completely to start doing the things that used to make them happy and gave them that feeling like you had um, when they thought about it. So that's awesome. And I saw, I saw on your website, you do, because I dude, I love dogs, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I saw that you had actually um, you started painting, or was it watercolors or paints? I can't remember or acrylics. Uh, I do, yeah, styles. all different styles. Yeah, I've done digital, I've done um, watercolor, acrylics. And so, is it just dogs? Or do you all the different pets? Um, those are the ones that I've kind of gravitated towards. I have two dogs myself, and um, nice. they kind of hold a, a, a dear place in my heart. So. I tend to, you know, gravitate towards those. I'm not opposed to doing other animals. Um, and I've done some birds and some, a uh, couple of cats, um, some things like that, you know, household pets. Um, <laughs> we don't, we don't like cats around here. <laughs> <laughs> we had two three legged cats for a while. Lindsay has them out there in Washington now. And uh, no, actually they're at her parents' house cause she didn't mm. take them out there. 
and they would just like hop around on their one leg and it was so i mean some people called it adorable i just thought it was kind of kind of a anti-dog you know i'm a dog mm. <laughs> they didn't like the dogs the dogs didn't like them and i'm on the i'm on the dog team for sure yeah yeah i'm, I'm definitely a dog guy so well, that's cool that you do that because uh, i think i always think about yeah, we can take pictures of the dogs, and Lindsay's always like, "We should get like a big painting of of our dogs, mm-hmm. so, like we can keep it forever." And I mean, I've never gone out looking for somebody who did that, and it's it's awesome to see that you noticed that that was kind of something that people would want, and yeah. were able to start doing it and preserve it. And there, check everybody needs to get on his website. Is it MikeBrennan.me? Is that right? If I remember, yes, MikeBrennan.me. M-E. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, check that out. And you, you got. When I first opened your site, the first time we talked, uh, it caught my eye immediately because I love the style. And you do a lot of different styles, but on your site you have you have a pretty like Valp theme going on. Uh, the colors are bright, which I mm-hmm. love. And my sisters are both intense artists more than myself. Um, it's just because I've gotten into different creative outlets and not just painting. Sure, and they've gone like hardcore into that stuff, and I love. Like, I, I just like, man, it makes me like warm inside seeing that kind of stuff. So, uh, what kind of, what kind of, can, can you get into like more detail on your art styles? I mean, as yeah. deep as you want to go, what you prefer to do the most, like what really gets you going and gets you to that point where you're just like, I am not going to stop this. I'm in like a passion mode right now. I'm going to keep creating this until my yeah. fingers bleed, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, well, I should back up a little bit and say, you know, you were talking before about um, just how sometimes people find this later on in their lives. And although I did um, know that I wanted to do art from a very young age, uh, my path was kind of a little bit windy. And and, um, there was a good probably 10 to 15 year break from me actually doing any drawing, painting, anything like that. And um, I started to it started to take its toll on me because, again, I said, that's kind of how I'm wired. I need to create. I need to, to do that stuff. And so it was probably about two, three years ago that I discovered a book um, by Danny Gregory called uh, The Creative License. And um, a friend had turned me on to it. And at this point, I was struggling even thinking about doing, you know, simple line drawings and getting back into it, not sure how to approach it feeling like so much time had gone by and, and um, quite honestly not confident in some of my abilities after so long. And so I read this book and there were a couple of things that really stood out to me. One was the fact that Danny said, look, you know, just do something every day. Uh, and it doesn't have to be a masterpiece. It could just be a simple little line drawing. It could be five minutes. It doesn't have to be, you know, five hours. Um, do something every day and it will keep building. Um, and the other thing that was... Um, kind of a roadblock to me, honestly, was that a lot of times I would be down on myself about um, some of the kind of wonkiness, if you will, uh, Mm -hmm. that has actually become my style in that sometimes proportions aren't right. Or, you know, I had this idea in my head that an illustrator or a fine artist would have to paint things and draw things in such a way that they were, you know, perfect Mm -hmm. and um, even photorealistic a lot of times. And so because my style was not that at all. And I found that whenever I tried those things, I would get very frustrated and just would hate the process and hate the result. Um, I kind of convinced myself that I couldn't draw. And so when I read this book, it kind of opened things back up to me again. And I was just like, you know what, I'm going to try it. And I remember doing 
sitting in Starbucks drawing this coffee cup that was right in front of me in a sketchbook, and it was awful. But I was like, you know what? It's day one, and tomorrow's a new day. And so I kept that up, and I've been at it for um, about three years now, doing at least a, a drawing or painting a day. And sometimes like a hundred days of drawings or something. Or yeah. Something. Yeah. That was part of that. And so what I found works for me in that is, you know, cause sometimes I can be a little overwhelming, right? Thinking like I'm going to do a painting or drawing a day for the rest of my life. Good grief. Like <laughs> uh, where do I go with that? You know, how do I not run out of things to do? How do I not get bored with that or just feel paralyzed because of so many options, you know, on the other end. And so I found that I work best with smaller projects. And so I would do like, you know, uh, 30 days of something or a hundred days. And so I came across, yeah, there was a hundred day project that was going on. And so I joined in with that. And so what I did for one of them was, um, I decided to use, uh, an app on my iPhone and draw directly on my iPhone. Um, and I would take people's photos and on that were in my Instagram feed and I would redraw them basically just in like a line art. And then I would tag them and say, hey, you know, check out this line drawing I did based off of your photo. And it would become this big social kind of thing, too, which was really cool. And then after 100 days, I had like 100 days of line art that some of those things I actually ended up using for some other paintings or some other uh, projects. Um, and so I would just keep building off of that, you know, and that's kind of the, the thing to get some momentum is just keep going, you know, keep having another project. So like right now I'm in the middle of doing um, – something where I kind of mix it up again. It's digital and it's um, what I call draw over. So I will take someone's photo from Instagram and I will leave half the photo or a piece of the photo still exposed and I will draw over it and then kind of do some other effects and, and drawings uh, on top of that and kind of combine it into a new piece of work. And again, post that and tag that person. Um, so that's been a lot of fun because you know, it's involving other people. It's also keeping me accountable because I'm posting it every day in public and, um, people seem to dig it. So, um, you know, it's been a lot of fun. So uh, along with that, getting back to your, your original question a little bit, um, I love to do these digital drawings, um, because, you know, the, the iPad and uh, a lot of apps that I have on it have really been a game changer for me. Um, I like drawing actually on the surface where I'm looking as opposed to, you know, having like a, a Wacom tablet pad or something. Right. Um, you know, I've had those in the past and they haven't really worked out too well because it's always weird to me to be like drawing in yeah, one place super, looking super in another. Hard to use. I don't yeah. like them either. Yeah. So this, this was just, like I said, a game changer where it was a little more natural and uh, that stuff's just getting better and better uh, every year. But um, so the digital stuff's been great. Um, I love doing um, some watercolor and some acrylic um, and really you know, even though I'm using these different mediums, um, the overarching thing in there, like you said before, is usually bright colors. Um, I like colors that pop a lot. And then there's some sort of line drawing that ties the whole thing yeah. together. Um, I like to do a lot of these, um, continuous line drawings, um, that actually back in high school, we used to do a lot of those. And so that was kind of ingrained in me as, um, just a, a, a neat thing to do even as an exercise. And so, um, there's something very fluid about it and even kind if of a brain exercise, right? Yeah, a little bit. And, and also like if it's messy, it's okay. And yeah. that's been part of my journey too, is that I've had to come to embrace that. You know what? I'm a mess and, <laughs> and I love it and it's great. <laughs> that's and the when best I, part. yeah. And like when I embrace that and when I dive further into that, rather than trying to clean things up or make things more perfect, so to speak, 
you know, um, I find that I just enjoy the process better and that it's, it resonates with people more because it's authentic. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you do, you do paintings at con, you do live paintings too, right? I've seen a picture of you doing one at a, yeah. at a concert, which is awesome. And yeah. I've got some friends from high school that sometimes I'll go back. I'm, I kind of grew up in Knoxville and I'll go back there. And I, I love going to concerts. I'm like, I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm like a concert junkie. It's, it's like what I do constantly. <laughs> and I love watching paintings at concerts too. And when you do those, you know, you're not looking for perfection, right? You're kind of no. in that passion, in that moment, listening to the music and doing exactly. it. Exactly. How yeah. much, how much fun is that? <laughs> yeah. Then that was really exciting. Um, I was a little unsure of it at first, to be honest, because you know, I'm thinking to myself, I have about an hour and I've got this um, very large scale piece of wood <clears throat> that I'm painting on. And typically I would do things smaller. And so this was like the biggest thing I had done yet. And uh, thinking to myself, all these eyes are going to be on me. Am I, am I going to like, you know, zone out or freak out a little bit because, you know, I'm thinking too much about that or is it going to be done when the music's done? Like all these kind of like logistical things going through my head. But quite honestly, once the music started and I was just kind of getting it into it, um, it, I it, I loved it. Like I was like, this is the best thing in the world. I would love to do this all the time. And yeah. people just really, you know, they appreciated it. They and it. Um, yeah, it was cool. Definitely. Yeah. There is a guy, I went to a festival. Oh man, this, this guy was ridiculous. <laughs> He kind of looked like Keanu Reeves, <laughs> like a young Keanu Reeves, and he had his—he uh, had no shirt on, but he had like a sweater tied around his waist, and these little shorts, and he had his his canvas. He would just walk around with this giant thing of canvases, and he'd put them up by the stage. And there were some legitimate uh, painters that were going to town during the concerts, and this was at a music festival, mm. and they were really good. But this guy, <laughs> this guy was like he's like raving in like this speedo thong thing, just like staring (laughs) everybody down and just like giving you the most intense look ever. And not even, he was not looking at the canvas. He's just like throwing paint on it the whole time. Uh, Every single one of them that he did, we saw him at so many different stages. (laughs) They looked exactly the same. It was just like a white canvas with like one paint splatter on it. And he was trying, when we left, I saw him sitting there and he was trying to sell all of them. And I kind of felt bad for him because, I mean, nobody was buying them. But Mm. it was like, if anybody saw this guy when he was doing that, I I almost bought one on principle of just remembering how entertaining the guy was. (laughs) Maybe he should have sold like uh, some video of him actually doing it along with the paintings. It would have helped. I don't know. I, know. I was hoping another person would like paint him actually doing it. And <laughs> That'd that be would cool. be a great one to take back. <laughs> well, we got some good pictures of it for sure. Nice. So, yes. Yeah, so being in, I know, I know you said that you do graphic design mm-hmm. during the day and you also do all this art stuff. How, how hard is it to make a living in this field and, and be able to support yourself? I mean, like my stepfather, he's an incredible graphic designer, but he has so much trouble. And my, my little sister, she's an insane graphic designer and she has trouble just thinking about how she's going to pay off her student loans and stuff mm-hmm. because there's such a, I guess there's so many people with the a lower set of graphic design skills, yeah. not on the caliber of the people that actually have the legitimate, like high caliber graphic design mm-hmm. skills like you probably do. And you, and you know what I'm talking about, but how hard is it for you to be able to do that? Yeah, you know, I think um, it probably depends on a lot where you live and the contacts you have and opportunities you take advantage of. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I mean, for me, going to art school in New York City immediately put me in the path of a lot of people. You know, there's a lot of competition um, and a lot of people doing that as well. But, um, you know, you tend to be able to have some more leads to follow, I think, uh, at least easily enough. And those, you know, the, the art schools that I went to, I went to the Fashion Institute of Technology for two years and then School of Visual Arts for two years. Both of those schools had really great programs as far as even helping you, you know, secure a job uh, after graduating. And so, um, you know, I, I, yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, what what were you doing at the fashion uh, school of technology? Did you graphics for it or were you studying, like what aspect of that were you Yeah, doing? it was it was advertising design, certainly not fashion. I mean, if you've seen me, yeah, you know it's not fashion. So, um, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was graphic design, um, you know, advertising uh, and, you know, it was a great uh, introductory program uh, for me right out of high school, um, and you know, still have some great friends from there today. Um, and you know, having the accessibility, like I said, to these these people who you know, a lot of the the professors there, they actually have to be working in the field, and yeah. so they're not you know just people who are like, hey, I did this ten years ago, and now you know, ten years in, in design world. I mean, that's a lifetime. So many things change. You know, these are people who are still on the cutting edge of things, um, still involved in the day to day and can instruct you and help you and, and again, connect you with some people sometimes. Um, and so, you know, part of my thing was trying to figure out, OK, how, what does that look like? It, you know, now I've graduated and this is, you know, back in like 94 and that wasn't such a great year, um, you know, for the economy and you know, I was trying to find something. I did a couple of freelance jobs here and there. And my first big gig was uh, at a very large advertising agency in New York City. And, you know, I was I was thrilled to get it. Um, but that year, it really opened my eyes a lot to the corporate world and advertising. And I was like, you know what, this just is not for me, this world. Um, I'm more relational. I'm more of kind of like, hey, let's, let's sit down and have coffee. And, yeah. you know, um, this, this was a, a big corporate beast. And, you know, it was a lot of different layoffs that were going on and, and it was just a crazy time. Um, and so some of this was finding my way through, you know, advertising agency and, and a, a magazine where I was the art department, um, you know, so the complete opposite of where I was in the advertising world. Um, and then, you know, trying to figure out, okay, so getting married and want to buy a house, like the whole responsible side, you know, and I grew up in a family that, that, you know, it, it was a big deal. It was, you know, that's what you do. You, you, um, you know, you got to provide and you have to make sure that you are responsible. And so, you know, th those kind of things always were at war within me, like the, the responsibility and the, the creativity, um, a little bit, because, you know, you have the side of you, that's the dreamer that just wants to go, Hey, you know, I just want to do my thing and I want people to come find me and pay me for it. And, life will be great, you know? And then on the other side, you're like, no, you know what? Um, there are certain things that, that I want to do and I, I want to be able to provide for a family and I want to be able to own a home and, um, some things that are important, uh, on that value spectrum. So finding the perfect balance. Exactly. You know, which is a very difficult thing to do. Um, and quite honestly, I think a lot of times I got swallowed up more in the, you know, is this job providing health insurance and paying a decent salary and, and, going to provide the lifestyle that I'd like outside of my career more so than where do I see my career going kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, it's, it's easy to fall into that, um, that I'd say trap a little bit because 
if you find yourself just doing these things to, you know, make money and, and support this lifestyle, you know, there's only so far that's going to get you before you start getting bored or before you start feeling like, you know, restless and, and you know, looking for that next thing, um, which is not uncommon in the creative world, you know. I just think there's so much doubt there for people. Like doubt, and then not not enough gratitude for actual current situations. Like what what do you think the proper mindset is that people need to have, especially creatives, to to be like uh, to be able to create the path to the life they love, but be accepting of their current position? Like thinking of, I hear so many people that are like, I hate my job. I hate this, but they're not willing to make the changes necessary to go down the path to create what they actually do love. But I think the first change that you have to make is being accepting of what your current situation is, right? Mm-hmm. Like the yeah. money hustle. So how, how do you think people should embrace their current situations or their day jobs despite that hate or the can't stand part of them? Yeah, I think, you know, there's a there's a big part of it where you have to invest the time in yourself um, and what I mean by that is like, you know, I'm a big journaler, you know, I, I write in my journal, you know, maybe not daily, but almost. Mm-hmm. And that time isn't just like, Hey, dear diary, this is what I did today. You know, this is more just soul searching stuff that I just need to get out from my head yeah. and kind of process in that way. That's the way that I, that I do that best. Um, and so over the years, you know, I've spent a lot of time doing that, you know, kind of pulling away by myself, writing in journal, trying to figure some stuff out, ask some questions, pray, you know, whatever it is that I'm doing. Um, and really try to also understand myself in that and understand what some of my pitfalls have been, where maybe some of my blind spots are and struggles and, um, you know, try to figure out, okay, is this a season or a moment where I need to extend myself a little grace? Because, you know, I'm getting too down on myself and I'm, I'm, I'm trying to drive myself too hard or am I needing a kick in the pants and do I really need to, you know, put my feet to the fire and say, no, you know what? I need to know what my next five steps are for this week and I need to make sure that I'm getting some progress done. Um, so I think it, there's a real balance in there knowing which of those seasons you might be in. Uh, and knowing yourself enough to be able to apply the the right um, prescription for that. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's similar. It's very similar to what I do. I'm always constantly analyzing myself. I journal, I write every single morning. I do like a a whole two hour morning routine where I'm writing Mm -hmm. and, and I'm reading and I'm meditating and and playing guitar or whatever it is that I, I do. And, uh, it, it is the most powerful anchor that you could possibly have for turning your life around in a direction that you never thought possible because mm. I didn't do that before. And I was one of those people that said, I hate this. I hate that. I can't stand this. Why am I in this position? Let's pound massive amounts of bourbon right now and you know, mm. wake up face down, pants down in the bushes every day. Mm. And it, it does start with that. And I think it's the daily habits on the personal level. And f- for you, the writing obviously has helped, but are there any other things that you do, any any habits or personal strategies that you have developed to kind of stay focused on, okay, I might be in a funk here, but I can move forward. Uh, this is my long-term goal, and this is how I'm going to persistently get there. Like, is there any – it could even be resources or, or anything, really. Are there anything special that you do? 
Yeah. Um, you know, besides journaling, I mean, like I said, the just making sure I have a daily habit of creating, of drawing, of painting, um, staying in that rhythm is really important. Um, and again, it's not like this legalistic kind of thing, um, but it's more of like a, uh, you know, uh, I need to do this because when I don't do this, I'm off. Yeah. And so, you know, if I don't do this, I'm not going to be the best version of me that I can be for myself, for the people around me. Um, and so there's a lot at stake there. Um, so that's part of it. And then, you know, the other thing, and I, I kind of alluded to this before, you know, I have on my board, uh, in my, my office here, this, you know, small little whiteboard and I have, you know, the top next five steps I need to take. And for the week ahead, I look and I go, you know, these things are things that are going to move me forward. And maybe they're like, send out an email it could be that small, or it could yeah. be, you know, um, book this table at this, you know, convention to show and sell my art, or it could be, you know, contact this person about doing this pet portrait, um, or follow up with that person, you know, whatever it is, um, I'm having at least five things. And, and whenever I'm crossing something off, I'm, I'm adding something right back in there. And so that there's this pool of things that are constantly showing me, you know, I'm not going to get stuck because I'm thinking there's too many things to do. I don't know where to start. Um, and I need things bite-sized. You know, I can't, I'm not the, the guy who like, yeah. you know, opens up this document with, you know, a thousand things in it and goes, well, you know, I'll just kind of prioritize and then, you know, put <laughs> things in, you know, I, I'm organizationally, I'm a mess. So I need it simple. I need it right before me. I need to reference it quickly. And so that's what's worked best for me. Um, and you know, that's, I think, a constant battle because, you know, let's face it, you're never where you think you want to be, right? I mean, yeah. <laughs> if you were, then you'd just be kicking back and you'd be like, all right, that's it, you know? Um, but I, I don't think anybody has, quote unquote, ever arrived. And so, you know, y you have to know enough to keep pushing yourself, keep those things before you, those goals, those things you want um, to, to be successful in, you know, and then the other part, honestly, that I've learned um, the hard way, and I have to keep reminding myself this, this is a hard one for me, is I need to remember to celebrate, you know, yeah. um, Fist pump. I, oh, man, it's like, sometimes when I'm in the thick of it, and I'm like, there's so much to do, and the pressure's on, and I'm pushing myself, pushing myself, pushing myself. And then some, sometimes there's a season where maybe some things start to go sideways a little bit, or there's some opportunities that look like they were going to come to fruition, but they start to fall apart. And I'm like, oh, man, you know, what's happening? You know, maybe this, this thing's going off the rails on me. You know, I need to remember the great things that happened yesterday. You know, the things that maybe I did this morning that I didn't even think that I could do at one time in my life. Or, you know, these these things that are mile markers that can be very quick to pass by. But unless you do stop and acknowledge them and celebrate it, it becomes all this just kind of ambition that's driving you. And, and almost like this taskmaster type of spirit that you have with yourself. And so... It's so, so important to stop and celebrate, even if it's the small things, like I said, because those small things add up. Yeah. And then like pre-chat, I kind of mentioned, I so I do the same thing as you as far as the, you know, the five things I want to get done next. I, I have a little world domination journal that literally says world domination in giant black letters so that whenever mm. I carry it somewhere, people realize that I'm dominating the world. <laughs> Be and, kind to me when you, when you dominate <laughs> <laughs> And, uh, 
but but yeah, because I I need to think that for myself to be able to to visualize where I need to be and to actually get there. But I also celebrate every little win. And if I forget to, I have a routine now where I literally sit down at night and I write down every win for the day, everything I accomplished, all of the abundance around me that I have. And those little celebrations, you're right. It's not a gigantic, like I just, you know, hit a honeypot of 50 grand and everything's amazing. And I'm, you know, fist pumping, pulling my shirt off, jumping in lakes in the (laughs) middle of the Caribbean. It's, it's like, yeah, I just, you know, got an email from this dude and he's cool. That's awesome. That's a win, right? Or, or I sold one thing on Amazon and made you know, $5 profit. That's a win. Anything like that is a win to me. And when you start to actually track it or you think about it or you become more aware of it, right? Awareness is the key. Yeah. That is when you start to make your mind realize that you are in such a healthy, amazing position. And I mean, the magic that we're even alive, man, like the, the feat that all of the different generations that had to have reproduced to get to this point right now for us to be alive. I mean, like, a lizard could have died 200,000 years ago and it could have completely niched my life or something crazy <laughs> like that. I mean, I'm not trying to mess with anybody who has like other types of faith, but I'm just saying like, it is crazy to think about the power in the line of succession to get here. And sometimes we just forget to go slow in the moment. Yeah. Um, I think it's just too busy and too fast and all those little things definitely help. Yeah. Sure. Well, and there's also a sense of, I think, in today's culture, especially and, and Twitter and, and social media, you know, it, everybody wants to be the overnight success. You know, um, everybody wants to have a lot of followers and instant fame and great sales and, you know, knock it out of the park and have it be known, you know, and I think, you know, that's just not reality. I yeah. mean, there's a very few who maybe fit into that category you know, but it's really stopping and, and saying, you know, well, how do I define success? You know, and how do I define success at this stage for me? It may look different next year, but right now, you know, what does it look like? And am I okay with that? You know, and, and can I be okay with that? Because really, there is no such thing as an overnight success. It's just overnight because you found out about them overnight. You know, they've been plugging <laughs> away for maybe years and years and years, you know. It takes um, so long. Yeah, you know, and and that's it. It's staying the course and it's putting the hard work in. And I think, you know, that's something that unfortunately a lot of people just don't want to do is just put the hard work in and, you know, and do it in such a way that that other people even maybe aren't seeing it. You know, Um, that's a real gut check. You know, would you do what you love to do even if no one ever got to experience it or see it, you know? Yeah, that's that's, that's an awesome way to look at it, man. I always think like what would you do what would you do if there was no obligation? If you had no responsibility, if you could if there was no reason pulling you in any direction, what would you spend your time doing? And uh-huh. and people usually sit there and like, well, it's not not what I'm doing, right? Like yeah. and and the, I know that that's a very hard thing to try to like contemplate like oh yeah you can't just do that i I understand that there's a Mm -hmm. lot of things in life but if you take that principle and just put it into situational moments like you have an hour free um i can freak out and do all my laundry but is that really going to change the next hour no Mm. because it's still you know there's always going to be more laundry but how can you go slow and just be you in the moment and that's been something that i've struggled with like crazy man and so Mm. i've learned recently that disconnecting from uh, 
from social media and disconnecting from my phone and, and like just being like purging all of this fast paced life and getting more outside, getting more into playing instruments or painting or whatever it is that you like to do. Um, being in those moments and then being aware when you're in those moments. Cause I think a lot of people are like, yeah, I love playing guitar. I'm going to play guitar real quick, but then they're not really thinking about it while they're doing it and appreciating mm. it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But for- you know, it's, it's tough also because I think a lot of people don't necessarily even have what they would call a dream uh, to know what to pursue. Yeah, why um, is that? I mean, you, you know, think it, like, do you think they're afraid of that or is it just, I, I meet so many people that you ask them what they want to do and, and, and you're serious. Like what I really do want like, what would, do you love to do? And it's like, they don't, they don't know. They're like, I don't know. Yeah. I think part of it probably is the whole, you know, gravitating towards something that seems like a stable career. Uh, perhaps other voices that have spoken into their lives that have said, you know, Hey, you're, you shouldn't pursue that. You should pursue this. This will make you more money. This will, will give you a more comfortable lifestyle or whatever. Um, and then, you know, sometimes, like I said, I think it's people haven't necessarily put in the time or the space that's needed to really get to know themselves, uh, well enough. They don't take the opportunities or even sometimes risks, um, to, you know, continue with something or to, you know, follow through on some things. Um, you know, something may get hard or some, they may get discouraged and then they'll just jettison some, you know, whatever it is they were pursuing and, and that's the end of it. And meanwhile, you know, maybe if they stuck with it, it would have developed into something that was more of a passion and a dream eventually, you know. Um, and, and I'm sure that, you know, there are people probably listening who would be like, you know what, guys, you know, it's, this is really easy for you to say. You know, <laughs> you, you know, you know, you knew what you wanted to do when you were younger, Mike. And, and you know, this has just been up and to the right your whole life and stuff. And, you know, in point of fact, it's, it hasn't been. Um, there was no, a time, absolutely not. you know, when I... I didn't know what my passion was anymore. I lost it. Um, and I didn't have a dream. And for someone who considers themselves a dreamer, you know, that was tragic. And, um, you know, part of that is the part of my story where, you know, I got bored with design and I started feeling like I was part of the machine where every two weeks there was a deadline for a magazine. And I wasn't even enjoying the work that I was doing anymore. I was just cranking stuff out. And so at that same time, I was also feeling like, you know, my faith was very much on fire and I wanted to be more helpful with people. Mm-hmm. And so um, I, you know, said, you know, maybe there's something more there. And so I kind of leaned into that and I really felt like, you know, God was leading me into full-time ministry. And I was like, I don't even know what that looks like. And how do you go from graphic design into ministry? And like, that's just weird. And you know, long story short, though, you know, I ended up, um, <laughs> you know, I had my first house and not even a year into owning it. My wife is pregnant with our first child. And I felt like God was like, you know what, it's time to pick up and move. And, um, you know, that's what we did. And it was kind of like, don't know where exactly where was we're going. Was it in Jersey, like Jersey to Jersey? No, or no. actually, uh, at the time I was living in Staten Island where I grew up. Oh, wow. Um, then it was moving to Long Island. So we went island topping. But <laughs> um, my wife is originally from Long Island. And so we were actually going to the church where she grew up. And my brother-in-law was the youth pastor. 
And so this long kind of chain of events happened there where basically they, a position to open up, they were looking for somebody and it was like one of these, Hey, you're hired. When can you come? And I was kind of like, what, you know, like what has happened? <laughs> like my world just changed and I have yet to walk out anything of what that really looks like. I haven't told my job. I haven't told my family. I haven't, you know, and so as I, as I started to walk that out and, you know, and I'm like, I'm not a person who looks for risk, you know, I'm not going to be jumping out of a perfectly good airplane, if you know what I mean. You know, it's that I'm not the thrill seeker. So for this, you know, it really came down to my faith though. And I really believed that this was something that, that God was doing and leading me to do. And so left the design world, went into, you know, full-time ministry where I was, you know, working with kids and um, doing some worship leading, playing guitar, which I'd love to do. And um, nice. just a, a completely different looking life, pretty much. <laughs> um, and so, so did you, in, did you, did you ever envision that that was something that you would be end up doing or did it just come out of nowhere? Well, you know, I had always been involved in some of those things on a volunteer basis. Um, yeah. So it would be like work all day and then I'd kind of get, you know, excited about going to church or some of these, you know, a youth group leading some kids or, you know, being in those environments. Um, but did you ever have a thought like when, when you got that feeling of excitement to go, did you ever, I mean, it had to have crossed your mind. Like it would be cool to do this all the time. Yeah. But where I was, it didn't really seem like an option. Um, yeah. Which because there were no the opportunities. Yeah. yeah. And then the other thing too is I was like, oh, oh, good grief. There's no way that I'm going to seminary because I am I'm studying Greek and Hebrew and things like that. Like I'm an artist, dude. Like, you know, I went to art school. Like, you know, <laughs> like I'm not, I'm not into all that stuff. Um, and so it was this weird, like, I don't know how this would happen, but if it ever does, does happen, it's got to be God because that's just, it's too weird. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and so that's, that's what happened. And then, you know, from there we had this, you know, evening service that was kind of like a really crazy rock and roll kind of church thing that was going on. Um, and then my brother-in-law was like, Hey, you know what? I feel like, uh, God's telling me to go plant a church, you know, start a new church. And so I kind of was praying about that and trying to figure out, is that something I'm supposed to be involved in too? And so, you know, kind of came to the decision that yes, that was. And so we left that other church and, and started a new one. And so that was kind of like a whole new, okay, how do you actually start a church? Like, what do you do? <laughs> like, just get a building, open the door, have some seats, you know, like what? And so, but that kind of started a, almost like an entrepreneur uh, spirit a little bit because, yeah. you know, it, it, to a certain extent, it is like owning your own business where you're, you're trying to figure some stuff out and you're trying to put some people uh, who've done it before around you who can speak wise counsel into you. and Study the um, masters. Exactly, you know, and, and try to figure that out. And so, you know, the thing took off like a rocket. We had crazy people coming, you know, like the place was filled and, and um, you know, it, it – Became a little bit stressful though, and and honestly, I started taking on more roles that were more administrative, and less in the creative, you know, realm of things. I stopped leading worship and playing guitar, and I stopped, you know, some of those. Oh other no! Things. Yes, I know. And so, quite honestly, you know, from outward appearances, everyone would have looked and said, "Dude, like." the church is growing, like things are great. You're with, you know, people you love to hang out with and be with your friends. You're doing this thing. And what's to complain about? And yet I felt like I was shriveling up and dying. Yeah. And I really didn't understand what was happening at the time, but 
you know, eventually, you know, even just kind of fell into some depression and things, you know, kind of went off the rails a bit. And it became obvious that it was like, you know what, I need to go. And it was something where I was like, how do I leave this thing that I've helped create? And, you know, wow. it, it just, it was a very painful and dark time. And it meant selling our house and not knowing where we were going and kind of like just, you know, but then at this point we've got two kids and two dogs. And so life's a little more complicated. And it was, what do I do? Do I continue in ministry context or do I go back into the graphic design world? And at this point I've been out of design world for maybe about 10 years or so. And like I said before, you know, this design world moves fast. And so a lot of that stuff had kind of passed me by in some things. And so also when you, you're walking into a place, you know, they're like, wait, so you work for a church? Like what, what does that have to do with anything? And so this very disconnected resume of things. And so um, I ended up finding a position in, uh, that I'm in now, actually. Uh, it's, it's with a church and it's doing graphic design for the oh, church. Oh, wow. Found the yeah. medium. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so, you know, it, it was kind of, a, I believe, another God moment where it was like, okay, pick up and move to Jersey and um, be a part of this church that's growing and thriving and be able to do some graphic design that's, you know, having a, a positive impact on people and helping people. And also, you know, have the support and the the room to be able to pursue these other passions of mine, of drawing and painting and, um, you know, doing these pet portraits and, and, and all the other stuff. So, um, how, how does it feel when you, you're actually in a, you transform your life into an area where you're actually helping other people? Yeah. Well, you know, that's been part of my DNA also for as long as I can remember. Um, I, it's important to me. That's, that's like a, a life value that I cherish. Um, I remember even being a kid when I used to go shopping with my mom and she'd be taking real long and I'd be bored and I'd be like, come on, can we go already? You know, I'd be there holding the door open for people coming in and out um, and just feeling good that they'd be like, Hey, well, thanks young man. You know? <laughs> and so even from a very early age, kind of going like, Hey, you know what? It feels good to help people. It feels good to, to be a positive, you know, force rather than a negative one. Um, and so I believe that, you know, no matter what, um, you know, even if there comes a time when I'm not working in a church context or, or uh, you know, nonprofit, um, that I will always be looking to be of help to people, you know, and even within my, my artwork that doesn't necessarily have anything to do with, with that side of my life, um, say the pet portraits, right? Recently, I was able to do a pet portrait for uh, a coworker of one of these jobs way back. And, um, you know, she has an ailing pet, you know, this pet is aging and, and, um, it's like part of the family and, and, you know, it's breaking their heart. And so she commissioned me to do this pet portrait and it was just awesome to be able to come alongside them in this and say, you know what, like, I want to honor you. I want to honor your pet and this relationship, the special relationship that you have and create a piece of art that will move you and move those who know you and know your pet and, um, and just be like a, um, um, you know, a mile marker for you, you know, and something again, that can help you cherish. So, um, that's really important to me. Yeah. Yeah. I can imagine. And I, I was actually going to ask you this earlier when we talked about the pets, I, I think one of the biggest struggles that creatives have is being able to charge for their work, mm -hmm. what they think is actually worth it. Because a lot of, I mean, I've seen it. You, you can sit there and spend 12, 13, two, three, four days on a painting and then 
you got it sitting there and you have this feeling like I don't want to sell this for any, you know, this is of value to me more than, you know, $500, 15, 2,500, mm-hmm. whatever, whatever yeah. the value is to you. Um, but at the same time, looking at people that would like to buy it for like $50 and thinking, is it only worth $50? Like that, that, that question, you start to question yourself, yeah. like, is my work worth the value that I'm putting on it? Or is it worth more? Cause some people sell their stuff so much cheaper than they should be. Right. Mm-hmm. If this is your hustle, if this is your outlet to create and to help and give back in the world in a way that you have to support your family or you have to be able to, to get through life. Right. Mm-hmm. Maybe you're teaching other people. There has to be an anchor there somewhere. How do you feel about charging what you're worth for your work? I think it's important. Um, and honestly, I, you know, it is something that I've struggled with in the past and, and sometimes still do a little bit. Um, but, you know, the thing is that, again, like you said, it's got to be like if you don't value your own work, you know, why should somebody else? Yeah. You know, um, and that doesn't necessarily mean you need to be this like elitist artist that's like, you know, I'm going to charge, you know, $10,000 for this thing, you know, um, you know, and, and you know what, if you can, and and you make it to that level, and that's part of your career, then God bless you. And great. And let's talk, you know, but, um, you know, for the most part, I think people tend to undervalue their work and don't want to charge too much. Um, and so I think it's really just trying to figure that out as far as, again, what season you're in. Um, maybe figuring out some other people who are similar to you where you're at um, and seeing what they're doing. Um, you know, and at the end of the day, it's, it's you and, and your work and the person who may want to purchase it or commission you. And you need to be able to, you know, to work that out with them and know that you can have it be fair on both ends and that both parties walk away feeling good about things, you know. Uh, and sometimes that's a dance that you need to learn how to do. Um, you know. shake. Yeah, sure. A boogie woogie. <laughs> what What's the best creative advice you've ever received? Uh, best creative advice. I think, oh man, there's so much, but, um, I think for one thing, when I was back at, at school of visual arts, I was involved in this class that was like this 3d illustration class, um, where it was basically, you would come up with concepts, uh, for things that were more like sculptures. Um, and then you would have to kind of go figure out how to do it. Um, so it was, it was highly conceptual, but then got really practical in a hurry if your, you know, design and concept was approved. And part of that process was learning to go, okay, you know what? If I have a great idea and I have a great concept, um, it's figuring out how am I going to implement that. And if I don't know how to do that actual thing, um, then maybe I need to hire some people to do a certain part of it if I don't know how to do that. Or if I can't do that, learn how to do that skill. Um, But basically, don't let those roadblocks of um, not knowing how to do something or maybe finances or some other things that seem like roadblocks, don't let them be roadblocks figure out a way to get it done. That's even applying your creativity in a different way. Um, so it's initially with the concepts and with, you know, uh, the designs, but then also with the implementing of how to do that. Yeah. The barriers of entry. Mm -hmm. Oh, how there's so many. Yeah. (laughs) I always struggle. I do, I do this, that to a, to a T I'm just, there's areas where I just cannot stand certain subjects 
and like accounting, man. I oh my god, uh, things like that. And I do feel like you have to delegate, right? Yeah. Um, let me create. Let me do the thing that I love. And if you feel like you can't afford to delegate, you could. You should just do it anyways. Because if you clear that time up for yourself, then you can spend that time focusing on the things that create and bring back in money anyways. Yeah. And the more you give out, the more you're going to get back in. And that's just a, a law of the universe. So if you're, if you're spending your time wisely, if you're giving back to the world, if you're helping children, if you're in ministry, if, if whatever it is that you're doing, as long as you're doing it in a mindful manner to help others, I promise you it's going to come back to you in other ways and doors will start opening and things will start happening and you'll end up in positions two years later where you're like, how did I get here? This is incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, and you may fall down. You may have to get up a few times and fall a couple more times and get back up a few times. But in the end, it's all going to be okay. And, and if you just take it slow in the moment, if you had to battle Godzilla, Mike, mm, yes. how do you think you would use your creativity or your talents to defeat that big, crazy bastard. You know, I've been I've been waiting for this question. Uh, <laughs> I think what I would do initially is I would do a painting or drawing for the wanted poster, and then once we rounded him up, I would probably make him watch the last two Godzilla movies that were made, and he would probably pack it in himself after seeing those. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, you're probably right. He probably yeah. would. He wouldn't be too happy about that. You're like, that's it, guys. I'm out of here. <laughs> if, if you could spend a little bit of time creating something with anybody uh, from the past or the present, who do you think it would be and what do you think it, you would create? Wow. Well, that's a huge question. Um, my immediate go-to would be Van Gogh. Um, I've, you know, I've been just researching his life and reading some books and, and just absorbing as much as I can of his work, uh, for several years. And especially because of his energy and just his passion and him creating from the heart, you know, and wanting to move other people's hearts. I would so just love to even, you know, be a fly on the wall there. Um, and so to, to think about the opportunity to actually collaborate, I mean, that would be like tremendous. Um, I don't even know how that would look, um, or exactly (laughs) what expression that would be. Um, but you know, it would be something I think just incredible. Yeah. Well, the beauty is not knowing how it would look or what expression it would be. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know that we'd get along because, you know, he seemed kind of, uh, you know, the tormented soul thing and, and, uh, and all, um, and like to be by himself a lot. So hopefully we would be able to withstand for at least one project, you know, just take old Godzilla with you as a bodyguard. (laughs) Sure. He won't, he won't, uh, do anything too sadistic or crazy. (laughs) Never know. Well, Mike, I I really appreciate you coming on, man. It's been awesome. Um, Thank you. Definitely want to keep in contact for sure. Absolutely. Don't don't lose connection, even if I do take a giant hiatus from social media. Um, do you have any favorite resources or go-to tools that you think the audience, especially the creative audience, would, would like uh, to know about? I know you mentioned that book earlier, which we will put a link in the show notes to that. Yes. Um, is there anything else that you think that, that they could find use in? Um, you know, as far as particular you know or specific things not not really because 
I tend to bounce around with a lot of things and I'm, I'm more in the moment. Um, but I think it's more important that you just keep surrounding yourself with these voices that help you on your journey, you know, whether it's listening to podcasts like this one, you know, and others that are sharing people's stories and saying, you know, you find something where you're resonating with it. You're like, yeah, you know what, that's, that's where I am. And there's something about their story that gives you a little bit of hope and maybe direction, um, or, or reading some books, you know, by, you know, artists, like I said before, reading, you know, Vincent Van Gogh's story, just how there was so much in there that I wasn't even aware of, um, and so much that resonated with me. Um, you know, and from there, I think it's really just, um, finding that playful spirit within you so that you can experiment and, um, and just have fun. You know, like, don't let this be such uh, a huge thing that it's like burdensome every day. You know, nobody needs more artists that have scowls. You know, we need more artists who are full of light and joyful and fun to be around and, and who can inspire other people too and be helpful. Like we said before, you know, as my 92 year old grandmother says, life is too short to not be happy. Yes. Absolutely. And as simple as it is, it is insanely true. Uh, you have the choice to look at any situation, as bad as it can be, as good as it can be, and accept it uh, and be thankful for it no matter what. You can find something good in everything. I promise Absolutely. you if you look hard enough. And where can our listeners find you, get in contact with you? I know I'll put a link to your website in the show notes. Uh, do you have social media links or anything like that? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I mentioned before Instagram. I'm on Instagram every day. I'm posting my daily drawing, painting, uh, or what have you. I don't think I have. I need to follow you on Instagram because I don't think I have. It's at Mike Bone. Okay. And, put that in the uh, show notes too. Yeah. And then also uh, Twitter is the same, at Mike Bone. Okay. Those are the main ones anyway. I took Instagram off my phone again as a distraction, and now I have to put it back on to follow. Because I keep forgetting that you can't do it on the web. Mm. I'm like, I'll just do this stuff on the web every once in a while. And yeah. Get, and like, you can't actually, no, you can view Instagram on the browser, but you can't actually add somebody, I don't think. Uh, I'm, yeah, I'm not sure about that. I know you can't post photos either oh, on man. it. Now I got to figure out my password. <laughs> yeah, that's, a, that's for another. All right, cool. Well, Mike, dude, thanks so much for coming on. I appreciate it. It's been a Thank blast. Thank you. Absolutely. Uh, honestly, I love the stories. I, I I love how you went down that path where you kind of ended up somewhere that you had no idea it hit you blindside, and then it was great, and then you also took a, a step away from that because it got different, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Things do change, and that's okay. Everybody yeah. out there goes through those situations. Um, it's not easy for anybody, and I can't explain – what I've done the last year and a half, but I can tell you that every single day I visualize where I want to be and things start to change and it becomes a reality over time. And you start to think like, how is this possible? Right. I've been trapped in a, in a job and I start to think like, well, I I live in, people will ask me, where do you live? And I'll say, I live in Washington or Oregon because that's where I want to live, but I'm actually in Kentucky. But sometimes I respond that because I've trained my mind to think that so much. (laughs) And uh, just little visualizations like that. Everybody can work on that. Uh, But but believe in yourself, believe in where you want to go. Do things for yourself to make yourself happy. Don't always be dishing out all your love to everybody else. You need to love yourself too. 
And break the rules, but first break the rulers. And Mike, dude, thanks so much for being the Archipreneur now. <laughs> and always remember to keep it funky, man. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool, man. There we have it. Another episode in the books. Thank you all for listening. I really, 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 really appreciate it. Thank everybody that's been here uh, along the journey. It's been a blast over 100 episodes. I really honestly can't thank you all enough. Uh, I have some big transitions coming up. I want to make you all aware of it very soon. And do, do not forget to tune in to the next week's episode with Honoré Quarter. Uh, it should be out sometime Thursday, Friday, next week. But uh, stay tuned for that. And seriously, don't miss it because she's awesome. Even from a perspective, if you're not a writer, all the things that she teaches can actually be implemented uh, to improve every area of your life. And of course, she's great friends with Hal Elrod from episode 16, which is one of the most popular ones I've had. If you go back and listen to that, if you have not, uh, the miracle morning routine has absolutely changed my life. And if you have not started doing that and you're confused about how to start creating the life that you love and how to start bringing your vision to reality, you need to look at that first. What are you doing in the morning to set the rest of your day? Because I promise you, if I sat here and told you that you could do one hour of things in the morning and accomplish more than you would normally do from 6 to 9 at night. And you think I was crazy, but I promise you, you can. Check that book out. It'll set a foundation for blowing the rest of your day out of proportions. Your productivity will skyrocket and all of that. Peace! Thank you for listening to another episode of The Archipreneur Now. For all the show notes, it's artsynow.com. If you want to be a guest on the show, email me at create at artsynow.com or on twitter at hb underscore armstrong the music well that's shaky feeling check them out ventura california ta-ta keep it funky